The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, when mentioning great defenses or defensive lines, like the Steel Curtain, the Fearsome Foursome, or even the Purple People Eaters, very seldom mentioned are the New York Sack Exchange. If you don't know, you're going to learn today. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, we're getting right to it. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. Again, it's always going to be all right. If you already know this stuff, I mean, I got my notes and everything. And some of this, I mean, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning as I go. Some of this stuff I do know very well. But that's not going to necessarily be the case tonight. But, uh, you know, congratulations. But there's always someone like me, who may not know as much about NFL history. I I do know a lot, but I don't know everything, okay? There's so much out there I do not know. I love learning, and that's what I'm here for. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we're here to do three things, and that is enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. The show is presented by Billy of Sports, also Billy Up Media. And the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, bellyupsports.com. You can catch us on our home base of Megaphone and also all the favorites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. I have plenty of notes today. All right. So, look, if you didn't see the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, you got the speeches over the past weekend. And I did have one idea that I was coming in with. But then I got to thinking even before that, I was like, you know what? I don't know a whole lot about Joe Klecko. I mean, I know the name, but you know what? People talked about him as a defensive lineman and how great he was. And he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past weekend, of course, uh, as a New York Jet. And when I heard his name all the time, you know, over, over the years, you know who I thought about? I thought about his son, Dan Klecko, that played, what, about six years in the league, I think, as a defensive tackle. And I think he played a little fullback, too. Um, but most notably with the New England Patriots, his first three years with the Patriots. That's who I thought about. I didn't think about him. And when I get prepared for a show, sometimes you got to go through the, the what they call the uh, the six W's. Actually, one of them is an H. The who, what, when, where, why, and how. So, who was it? The New York Sack Exchange. What? I mean, what was it? What, what, what was the new... Who were the people that were a part of that? When did this happen? The late 70s, really in the late 80s, when the Jets actually got back to the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. And where? I mean, obviously, we're talking about uh, in pro football with the New York Jets, but... The why Joe Klecko, he got into the Hall of Fame. That is the spark for this show. And how did they come to prominence? You know, how did they come to to fame? What was their claim to fame? So, you know, again, you had Joe Klecko who got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
but there were three other guys. And here's the thing. When I thought about the New York Jets in the 80s, there's only two people that I really thought about. And that was, of course, you had Kenny O'Brien that was drafted ahead of Dan Marino during that 1983, that famous 83 draft. And he actually was a pretty good quarterback. But I thought about Mark Gastineau and that crazy sack dance. You know, he looks like he's going nuts, rolling on the ground, getting up, jumping around. And that, like, really pissed a lot of people off. They did not like that very much. But, hey, I mean, um, but the whole thing is, I mean, okay, Joe Klecko. Okay, he was a great defensive lineman. I needed to learn a little bit more about him. But also, it was more so, okay, the New York Sack Exchange, I mean, that's great. You know, if you don't know, the New York Stock Exchange, duh. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm sorry to say duh. <laughs> that's not nice. But, I mean, it, it fit. It really did fit. Um, and then you had the other three guys, other than, you know, you had Mark Gastineau, who actually was the sack king, Abdul Salam. Okay, his name was Larry Falk. He was born Larry Falk, but he changed his name. Um, and then Marty Lyons, who was the best friend of Joe Klecko coming up. So um, if you want to do it, you know, going all the way back to I mean, the New York Jets in 68, where Joe Namath and company won the Super Bowl, um, you know, after that, things got a little dry. You know, so the crazy part about that is, you know, you had Weeb Eubank, who was the coach all that time. He wins probably the biggest game of his life against his old team in which he won a couple championships with with Baltimore the greatest upset perhaps in Super Bowl history outside of New England <laughs> losing that year as undefeated champions of the AFC to the New York Giants who they had beaten in the finale earlier that year nobody was going to beat the Patriots well, until that happened nobody was going to beat the, the Baltimore Colts the, who were the greatest teams you know they said was ever in pro football at the time. They were quarterbacked by uh, Earl Morrill, who was the MVP, and you know the whole big thing. And I mean, they were what 16 points, 17 point favorites, and they lost the game. They never ever led in the game, <laughs> and, and it was great. Uh, it was great upset, and it was a great game for uh, the NFL to really continue to build to what it is today but that was the last time the new york jets were really relevant during this period so uh you want to go to it building up to the 1980s at least the early 80s new york jets that actually got back to the playoffs yeah we bank who in 1973 he ended up uh, retiring and going to the front office and his son-in-law actually took over charlie winter who ended up you know Staying from 1974 to 1975 as the head coach, and then he was out of there because they were not very good. They weren't good at all. They were trash. All right, let's just be honest. Jet fans, I'm sorry. You already know your history. We'll go from there. 1976, before he was the great coach for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Lou Holtz, he he was the coach for the Jets for quite a while. Uh, yeah, one whole year. <laughs> he left with a game left to go in the season. Um, you know, yeah, there you go. But that year, they actually brought in the first member of the New York Sack Exchange. Uh, defensive lineman, matter of fact, the only defensive lineman which they needed help in that department, the Jets did, because they couldn't stop a nosebleed at the time. Uh, they had picked from Kent State, Abdul Salam, whose name at the time, again, 
was Larry Falk. He didn't change his name until the year I was born, that next year, his second year, 1977. Um, and he was selected in the seventh round of the NFL draft. Well, another seventh rounder was picked by the Cleveland Browns all the way back in 1951. And then this guy was traded to Green Bay, and this was linebacker Walt Michaels. In 1952, he was traded back uh, to Cleveland, and he helped Paul Brown get to a couple of NFL championship games, right? In six years, they went five times, and they won it all twice. So Walt Michaels had a winning pedigree, right? So after spending a year with the Oakland Raiders in 1962 as their defensive line coach, he got the same job with the New York Jets in 1963 and that lasted all the way to 66 by 1967 he's coaching linebackers and defensive backs with the jets and then by 1972 he gets a better job he's the defensive coordinator for the philadelphia eagles and in 1977 he goes from well he actually joined the jets again as the defensive coordinator the year before in 1976 the same year they brought in salam and then he's promoted to head coach the year I was born in 1977. That was a beautiful year. Uh, and that exact same year, they actually drafted future Hall of Fame defensive lineman Joe Klecko, whom he watched play while at Philly. So Klecko, uh, of course, he played. And if you listen to his speech, he played for the Temple Owls, who played their uh, home games at the old veteran stadium. Terrible stadium, but you know, it was what it was at the time uh, with that carpet. But that's where he watched him play. And it's like, okay, this guy's pretty good. Um, and then before, Klecko had zero college offers. And I think that was very, very interesting. Um, and Klecko, having played right up under the nose of the Eagles, he thought that that was where he was going to play his pro football. But instead, the New York Jets took him in the sixth round, 144th overall. Not bad for a pro football Hall of Famer, right? Uh, and by 1979, they brought in another guy. So this guy was actually, you know, big time. He played for the University of Alabama, and they were national championship uh, pedigree. They they just come off of a national championship. He was an All-American defensive tackle and the SEC's defensive player of the year, Marty Lyons. He was selected in the first round, 14th overall out of Bama. And the second round, the Jets took another defensive lineman, this one, defensive end Mark Gastineau out of East Central Oklahoma State. Now, this guy wasn't actually looked upon as being a great pick at first, but there's a little something that was thrown in the ether there that uh, allowed um, him to be picked in the second round. We'll tell you about that a little bit later, but the guy collected over 27 sacks in his college career, and he showed out during the senior bowl. So... Back to Klecko, that Klecko, before he even went to college, no offers, right? Well, you know, he was working for a trucking company, and he ended up playing that seminar pro ball under assumed name by, oh, they told him to use the name Jim Jones uh, out of the fictional Poland University. And Klecko actually tells the story about how his now wife, Debbie, then high school sweetheart girlfriend, she, they pull up to the place the semi-pro team, the Ashton Knights, and he's getting cold feet and doesn't want to get out of the car. She takes the car, the keys out of the ignition and throws them out the window. When he goes to get the keys, and I guess he's seen by one of the coaches or whatever, he's like, hey, come on, you know, uh, you're here for the practice or whatever, for the tryout. And he goes, he makes the team, 
and the rest they say is history um by the time they the new york jets select him in 1977 uh in abdul salam the year before and by the time really by the time the 79 draft rolls around before they go ahead and select lions and Gastineau, they have been terrible i mean three straight years of three and eleven seasons from 1975 to 1977 and in 78 and 79 they actually got a little bit better they were eight and eight both years but they took a real nose dive in 1980 because they were trying to shore up their defense uh obviously because they couldn't stop the run they couldn't do a whole lot of anything like i said you had joe namath joe namath was gone by 1976 he had retired um there was no more don maynard and and you know weave eubank all of those guys they were old they were gone and shipped out of town uh retired whatever and they were rebuilding by this time and so you know 1980 they dipped to four and 12 and it's like oh god what are we doing they selected uh not only the alabama defensive line all american you know marty lines but they had also picked richard todd to be the quarterback and i mean todd wasn't exactly panning out as of yet 1981 was actually the big year the year the things start to really turn around for the new york jets this is the first year of uh four playoff appearances in the next what six years so in 1981 uh the defense finished not in the 20s like they had done the previous couple of years and i think that was mostly due to their front uh line actually getting better and better what they were eighth in points and fifth in yards they finished 10 5 and 1 and they were second in the afc east and this was before they had that wild call a card lost to buffalo again i tell you about my buddy ken johnson that played defensive end for the buffalo bills in those late 70s early 80s and it was a really uh good game i watched the nfl films uh you know he got those 30 minute john facinda narrated steve sable uh, ed sable produced films that are just so great right and you know i'm watching all the way towards the end and I'm like okay so what happened they lost the game they were down as many as what 13 points or something like that it was like 31 to like 17 at one point i, I believe if i remember correctly but anyway you slice it they come all the way back and i think they lost the game 31 to 27 and they had drove all the way from their own uh what 20 down to the 11 yard line of buffalo they had played so hard and Richard Todd threw a costly pick there at the end. But I mean, that 81 team had really come a long way. So before, uh, I think around that, I mean, that same season, there was a magazine called the Jet Report. Uh, and they had a contest to name the Jets defensive line. And a police officer out of Brooklyn, his name was Dan O'Connor. Uh, he won it by submitting New York Sack Exchange. I mean, that goes good with New York for obvious reasons you like the new york stock exchange very very cool you got the iconic photo of all of them standing with their their jerseys and their uniforms and their helmets in their hand with all the the paper on the ground in the middle of the exchange that was pretty cool um but here's the question the question has to be why you know for a bad team with what without a winning record well the d-line was actually really good in one of the few bright spots offensively i mean Richard Todd had to improve because the guy was throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. And as a matter of fact, I think the year before he led the league in interceptions with 30. So he was 
he was a turnover machine, Arby's. But then you had Wesley Walker, who was one of the few bright spots as a receiver. Um, and they needed to improve. Uh, you know, Todd had to improve. Uh, 1980, though, the year before, you could see things building up. Remember that sack totals were not official until the 1982 season. So going back to 1980, Gastineau and Klecko were already racking these things up. Gastineau had 11 and a half, and Klecko had 10 and a half sacks apiece. Um, I mean, Lions and Salam, they were more run stoppers, and they were really tough run stop stoppers. That's That was the purpose of defensive linemen. They're not for sacks necessarily. So I mean, if you're good enough to get them, you know, those few defensive linemen that are just great. So... You know, yeah, like Joe Green, for instance. I mean, he was a defensive tackle, and the guy was always everywhere. And Lions himself, he had four and a half. But 1981, that team had a big turnaround, and mostly because Richard Todd, he threw more touchdowns and interceptions. That helps the defense. Don't turn the football over. 25 touchdowns and compared to 13 picks. That's a great turnaround. That's what they expected out of the Alabama product. And Klecko, he was a first-team All-Pro. Um, and the AFC Defensive Player of the Year that year. And uh, but him and Gaston, though, they went off. Can you imagine today if you had two defensive linemen on the same team, two defensive players, just period? You know, you got edge rushers these days, right? If they had 20 sacks apiece, that's what these guys did. That's what these guys did. And here's the thing. There was kind of a, 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 dis a disrespect factor uh, a little bit with the New York Sack Exchange, they wanted to just apply it to Klecko and Gastineau, which, to be fair, I mean, that kind of makes sense because these are the guys that are actually racking up the, you know, the whole thing. Um, I understand that. But going to an article that I read written by James Williams for Bleacher Report, and I'm going to quote from it, it was the perfect nickname for sure but the nickname almost didn't apply to the entire front four. Lions and Salam functioned mainly as run stoppers. That was their job. So they were not nearly as talented as Klecko or Gastineau. Therefore, the writers and reporters wanted the nickname to apply to just Klecko and Gastineau only. But Klecko, however, would not allow that. In an interview, he stated, they originally wanted two of us. And I just put an ax on that. I said, listen. If it's going to be a sack exchange, there's going to be, that's going to be four of us because without Abdul and Marty, Mark and I are nothing. I mean, defensive linemen that suck up and, you know, they, they occupy guards and centers and stuff like that, leaving one-on-ones on the outside. If you know your football, you know that plays just as much of a factor in pass rushing and these guys, edge guys, getting to the quarterback as anything. So that's something that was really, really big. And that was very um, unselfish of Klecko to go out and do that, especially as being the leader of that defense. Point blank, period. Right. So, you know, in that 81 season, you know, these two guys, Klecko had 20 and a half and Gastineau had 20. I mean, 40 sacks between 40 and a half sacks between the two of them. And there's 66 sacks for the entire season. The whole team had 66. That was one shot of the NFL record. Salam actually had seven. And Lions had six and a half as defensive linemen. That's not bad. That's actually pretty good. 
So they led the NFL, obviously, and they finished 10-2-1 after an 0-3 start. I think they lost to uh, Pittsburgh, um, Cincinnati, and I forgot what the other team was, but didn't matter. They got to the playoffs and went on a nice run after that. But then the next year, the 1982 strike season, okay, the first year that they're counting sacks officially. Remember, they didn't play as many games, okay? They played, they were 6-3 and three for the regular season, finishing with a winning record, and it probably would have been even better. But the crazy part is, is that they had to do it without Klecko. We'll get to him in a moment. So Richard Todd, um, he was improved. You had all-pro running back Freeman McNeil. I believe he led the league in rushing that year. Uh, Freeman McNeil, I did, I did not know. Just thinking about my Tecmo Bowl playing days, my Super Tecmo Bowl playing days, I did not realize that Freeman McNeil had been with the New York Jets that long. I did not. I really didn't. So, and then Wesley Walker, he was a great receiver. You know, he was a pro bowler as well. Gastineau was an all-pro. He had six sacks. And sack-wise, with Lions and Salam, they combined for four. Okay, I mean, that's what that's not their biggest thing. But Klecko only played two games, and he had two sacks. Why? Well, both of them came against New England in their second game. And he brought down Matt Cavanaugh and ended up tearing his patella tendon in his right knee. So, you know, out of the six sacks that they got that game, Klecko had two of them, and on that second one, his season was over with in a 31-7 win during that game. Um, Kenny Neal, who was the backup, and that's N-E-I-L, he replaced Klecko for the final seven games. He actually collected four of his own after the strike was really over. Um, and then along with Gaston Salam and Lions, they went on a playoff run. That Jets team went all the way to the AFC Championship game. They beat Cincinnati. They beat the LA Raiders who I believe the Raiders were 8-1 that year. Um, they lost to the Miami Dolphins, you know, for the right to play in. They played for the right to play in Super Bowl 17 against the Washington football team. Um, but th that game was a, a slog fest. <laughs> there was terrible quarterback play in that game. If you look at the numbers, they lost 14 to nothing, but it was a defensive, ugly game. Why? Because both quarterbacks were sacked four times. Uh, they... Todd threw five picks though. Willie threw three, but Richard Todd threw five interceptions. That doesn't help. And then McNeil only had 46 yards on the ground. So, I mean, you, you have to throw that in the trash can after that. They tried to do as much as they could, um, but it was a good team. They got there. They just couldn't get it done. They couldn't get over the hump at the AFC Championship game. But having been, been such, a, such a bad team, previously you saw the build not every team can make it to the super bowl and not every team can win a super bowl they they draft they they perform trades and all that and of course teams back then were really built on the draft and all these guys they brought in and a few free agents that they may have had i mean they got to this to the cusp of the super bowl didn't necessarily get it done so but 1982 actually proved to be the last year for a head coach Walt michaels he wanted to basically um Want to stay home with the family. He wanted to spend time with the family. He would come back and coach in the USFL for, I think, a year. And then that was it. He was replaced by Joe Walton, who actually took them uh, back to the playoffs those remaining years uh, that they were, you know, one of the one of the better and more improving teams in the AFC. So uh, in 1983, though, <laughs> 
Uh, you got Mark Gastineau in that sack dance we talked about, right? So they missed the playoffs that year. They went 7-9. Um, disappointing year, but at least Klecko was back and in a really big way. Um, Gastineau's sack dance actually uh, – it got banned after this game. So they're playing. <laughs> there were repercussions. And even his own locker room, as I read, did not like the sack dance because it was too attention getting. He would fit right in today, I think. <laughs> so maybe the sack dance wouldn't have been him just going crazy and throwing his hands off. You know, doing the stuff that he did and rolling on the ground and everything. I mean, it was great, but uh, for the time, but a lot of people didn't like it, you know. So, um, again, even his own locker room, but especially other teams. So, in a 27-24 win against the Rams in, what, a uh, week four matchup, he got one of his 19 sacks that he had that year, okay? So, he was really good that year, uh, as he was every year, really. Um, Vince Ferragamo, you know, the guy, the one guy that helped get the Rams to the Super Bowl back in the 1979 season. Um, Hall of Fame defense, I mean, offensive tackle, Jackie Slater. He didn't like that dance. He didn't appreciate it. Watch the video. You know, I, there's a gif that I almost posted, and you can see Slater coming into the picture, and it cuts off <laughs> right before the shove. And there was a brouhaha. There was a big fight, a brawl. Not exactly like the one we saw in Montgomery, Alabama. No chairs involved, but... Uh, in the end, there were fines from Pete Rosell left and right. There were 16 Jets that got fined and 21 Rams players because apparently the Rams bench cleared. They was waiting on him. So <laughs> they were waiting on him. But after that, the, you know, the sack dance was abolished. You know, it was like, look, you don't do that no more. Don't do that no more. You know, I honestly don't know if he did it anymore or not, but uh, I read that it, he said, no, nah, you can't do the dance anymore. But uh, that 1983 season, they would lose their first original member of the New York Sack Exchange. Abdul Salam, that was his final year, and he only appeared in one game. So I believe it was due to injury. Uh, Klecko was actually moved from defensive end to defensive tackle for that season, where he made the Pro Bowl. Only six and a half sacks, but he did his job. Kenny Neal actually replaced Klecko at defensive end. And then, you know, but... Without uh, an original member of the New York Sack Exchange, I mean, th I mean th that was um, the first. Somebody's got to go away, right? It, it's it's football. It's a business. And Salam was traded to the San Diego Chargers in 1984, but because of his injuries, he never played one down. Never did. Never did. Gaston, though, he was great again. Again, an All-Pro. He set an NFL record in 1984. With 22 sacks, of course, we know, you know, Brett Favre, he lays down for uh, Michael Strahan. He was going to get it anyway. Y'all leave him alone. Y'all leave both of them alone. <laughs> but Joe Klecko, he's also a pro bowler as a defensive tackle in his first year. So you got two already uh, pro bowl selections and all pro selections at, at a different position. And then after missing the playoffs in 1983 and 1984, in spite of their greatness on the defensive line, the Jets, they actually got back in 1985. But there was another change for the Sacks exchange line once again. One time defensive coordinator for the Steel Curtain back in the 1970s for those Pittsburgh Steelers teams, Bud Carson, he came in and he switched the defense to a 3-4 alignment. Klecko goes from playing the defensive tackle to the nose tackle. 
And as he told you during his speech, he did the, uh, if anyone knows about, uh, well, I mean, Bud Carson. <laughs> Bud Carson had something to do with that. So uh, if anyone knows there's still a history, especially with Joe Green, me and Joe Green would line up kind of sideways. He didn't line up straight up. He would line up sideways to kind of throw off the center and the guard. And it worked. Klecko did the exact same thing. He had, Bud Carson had him doing the exact same thing. And I mean, the guy as a defensive tackle, a nose guard, excuse me, a nose guard, nose tackle, whatever you want to call him. He had 96 tackles and seven and a half sacks. Chalk up another Pro Bowl for Joe Klecko. And he became only the second player in the history of the NFL to be selected to the Pro Bowl at three different positions. The other was Frank Gifford. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, that, that that was the greatness of Joe Klecko. And also part of the greatness of that New York Sack Exchange line. Now, eventually, Abdul Salam would end up coaching high school football back in Ohio in Cincinnati, as a matter of fact. And he retired from that and being an officer in 2013. Now, Mark Gastineau was drafted in the second round, right? As I said earlier in the show. But he was actually projected to be an eighth-round pick. Well, the first ever female scout in NFL history, Connie Carberg, and I'm going to, have to do something on her. I need to dig more deeper with this lady. Um, look, thank that lady because she got him drafted in the second round. It's like this dude is better than, than the grade that you guys are giving him. And Gastineau, I mean, he turned out to be an excellent pick, and I think he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. I honestly do. Um, he had some off-field issues. You got, if anyone remembers Red Sonja, uh, the movies, you know, Kobe, I mean, we were talking about Brigitte Nielsen, okay? One time, you know, he, she was with, well, she's been with so many people. I'm not going to go there. But he, she had an open affair. He had an open affair with Gaston. I guess that was a black eye. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you slice it, that wasn't great, okay? But... As far as football was concerned, he actually retired seven games into the 1988 season. And at that time, he was actually the NFL's all-time sack leader. Now, he had 74 official sacks. But in reality, he actually had 107. 107 for his career. NFL Network, they said he's one of the 10 greatest pass rushers of all time. How is this guy not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame yet? Well, because of, I guess, more so his off-the-field issues and people not liking his sack dance. I mean, by now, I think they should be over that. And I think by Joe Klecko getting in, I think that may pave the way. Um, and, and him showing up, and the guy's a changed guy. He's found the Lord, um, and he's doing so much better. And I mean, I, I think that th this paves the way for a possibility for him to actually make it in Maybe as a senior or whatever, I don't know. But I think he should be. But that's just me. Marty Lyons, he finished his career with the Jets after the 1989 season. But his Jets career didn't stop after that. The guy actually, the 1984 Walter Payton Man of the Year, he was inducted into the Jets Ring of, Ring of Honor in 2013, same year that Abdul uh, Salam retired from coaching football. But uh, he's been a part of the Jets radio broadcast team since 2002. 
and he also runs a great foundation, the Marty Lyons Foundation. He, he uh, grants wishes and over 6,000, you know, that I've read to terminally ill children. That's a great foundation. He still is right up under the nose of the Jets organization, is really close to them. Now, of course, there's the star of the bunch, Joe Klecko. Of course, he got to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, class of 2023. The, uh, the crazy thing is, I'm talking too fast, when he started his speech, if you watch the video, he took his speech out of his pocket, folded up, and he, apparently he wrote this 30 years ago, back in what, 1993? He wrote that a couple years after that, so you know, that, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, well, he spent his final year with the Colts before he retired, and in 2004, his jersey joined Joel Namath and Don Maynard as the only ones at the time their jerseys being retired. He was third. Curtis Martin and Dennis Bird are the others. So going back to that Hall of Fame thing, I mean, when I really sat and looked at the differences between Mark Gastineau and Joe Klecko, numbers-wise, I know we like to do numbers. Um, I mean, the way that for a real good six-year stretch, Mark Gastineau was one of the best that was on the field. And I think the antics and the off the field is the main reason why he was not, he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, maybe had they won a little bit more, he'd probably be in the same class as like LT. And I'm not saying in the same class as Lawrence Taylor, because Lawrence Taylor, in my opinion, is the greatest defensive player to ever walk the face of the earth. But Lawrence Taylor could, you know, show up to practice in handcuffs, you know, if he showed up at all. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, you know, could could you know be be high, and, you know, like some other pl great players in the past have been. And I mean, but his greatness outweighed uh, his his greatness outweighed the things that he did off the field. I think with Gasnos case, it could be said the same way, in my opinion. In my opinion, and I'm not in the opinion business when it comes to this show. But this time I had to give it a little bit. So there should be another New York Jet that joins uh, uh, Klecko and Darrell Rivas for that matter uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame along with Don Maynard and uh, Weeb Eubank and Joe Namath. I mean, you got to get this. I think you got to get this guy in. But the New York Sack Exchange was one of the greater defensive lines in NFL history. And when you mention a lot of these other great defenses and defensive lines. You know, you talk about the Steel Curtain, the Purple People Eaters, the Orange Crush defense, No Name for Miami, the Doomsday defense, the Fearsome Foursome. New York Sack Exchange should be right in there. Just saying. That's it. References. Thanks to ProFootballReference.com. Also, uh, the New York Times. We had quite a few articles. No books this time. Uh, the New York Times. Jets win by 31. Oh, excuse me. By 31 to 7. Klecko injured. This was written by William N. Wallace, September 20th, 1982. Also, CantonRep.com, uh, the repository. Hall of Fame New York Jet to teammate. You better ever do that. You ever do that again, I'll kick your butt. And that's in parentheses because that's not what you really said. This was written by Steve Durshuk. I hope I pronounced your name right. I really do. August 2nd. 2023 the jets press new york jets remembering each member of the new york sack exchange by michael golden june 22nd 2021 
Bleacher Report, NFL Legends, the New York Sack Exchange. James Williamson wrote this January 23rd, 2009. Also, the Jets X Factor. Jets X Factor is the name. This one was written by Robbie Sabo on December 20th, 2020. Remembering the New York Jets, Los Angeles Rams brawl in 1983. And is a video included. Go check that out. And also NFL Films, Talk of the Town, the story of the 1981 New York Jets. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast. I am your host, Michael New Jr. The show, again, presented by Billy Up Sports and Billy Up Media. The Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us all out, especially on BillyUpSports.com. Check out those stories and the merch. And you catch all of our shows on our home base of Megaphone. Also, the favorites. The list goes on and on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Hey, tell your friends and family about this show, please. Or, you know, being a research guy at FedEx, I'll find your house. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>